Patricia, my darling Patricia I can see all my dreams in your eyes Your smile is as gay as a bright summer day You're much fairer than Aaron's blue skies Oh, Patricia, my lovely Patricia You could make all my dreaming come true My heart is just drooling Patricia, no fooling I'm falling in love with you Oh, Patricia, my darling Patricia I can see all my dreams in your eyes Your smile is as gay as a bright summer day You're much fairer than Aaron's blue sky Oh, Patricia, my lovely Patricia You could make all my dreaming come true My heart is just drooling Patricia, no fooling I'm falling in love with you My lovely Patricia You could make all my dreaming come true My heart is just drooling Patricia, no fooling I'm falling in love I'm falling in love I'm falling Hello, everybody. It is Saturday, January 5, year 2019, the first Saturday of the new year. Hello, Patricia. Hello, Walden. We're back to normal. We're back. No, we're not because we do tomorrow, too, right? Yeah. 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 No, we're not back to normal no, yet, still, everybody. It's still <laughs> Just the, on tonight. Yeah, it's still the holiday season, so I'm, I thought I'd sneak tonight. Patricia in. Mm. And then. I'm trying to figure out everybody's schedule for next week, so um, I'm waiting to see what John Lurie can do, because they can't do next Friday. And i got a couple live guests, so I might see if Patricia wants to join me for next Friday for my uh, guests or not. Really? Uh-huh. Look out, everybody. We're back. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Happy New Year for those who haven't heard us say that during the week. We were around during the week. If you weren't, we were. That's true. So... Happy New Year to everybody, and may it be a healthy and kinder year than 2013 has been for so many people. 2013, six years ago. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I wrote a check today for 2019, and I thought, you know, I remember a few years ago I wrote 1999. Now it's 2018 that just went (laughs) bye-bye. You have to help me, Walton. I will. Oh, my. Well, you know, the, the... Shapes are pretty similar. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. 
it's amazing. I have to take care of you while you take care of me. This is a good arrangement we have. Oh, I like that. I yeah. like that very much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I hope our family can take care of us, too. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll open the phone lines in a second once Patricia says yes, because she might have stuff to say, and I have stuff to say, and stuff like well, that. You, so. you have your stuff first, and then I'll stuff mine. Okay, so Patricia, tomorrow, yes. on Sunday, for an hour before Michael Beal, uh-huh. And then Patricia for sure will have Tuesday night at midnight Eastern time. And I'm trying to figure out what John and Lori are doing this week. Next Friday, they're, they're gone. So I have two live guests. One is Allison Ongram from Low House in the Prairie. She was the bad little girl in that famous uh, uh, TV show who is now a stand-up comedian. Is she really? She really is. And her mother was... Play Little John on all the family, all the first family albums. The, 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 you know, the parody on John, John Fitzgerald Kennedy family. Oh, oh, John John, he played yeah. Little One. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So she'll be our first guest. And then an hour mm-hmm. later, uh, Joyce Buffont, who originally was taken over at the original role of Miss Karen Brady on the Brady Bunch, who did other things, acting, long career. Yeah. Also yeah. went. Also dated Frank Brzee. Uh, oh, yay. <laughs> just, just to stay out of trouble, it was Carrie. <laughs> so, so those are my two guests next Friday. Yeah. So we'll see if Patricia wants to join me, depending on her, how hard I work, I think, you know. Okay. Just to keep you out of trouble, it was Carol Brady, not Carol. Karen Brady. Carol. Okay. See, Carol. Good, good yeah. thing you know. Yeah. Um, did I hear Tuesday I'm supposed to be somewhere? Yes. This coming Tuesday? Yes. Every what Tuesday. Time? Every Tuesday. You do now at midnight. Every Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, did we confer about this? No, we haven't. So it's. it's <laughs> <laughs> you, know, it's yes. you know, it's more beneficial to say it in front of an audience. <laughs> no, okay. I know. I know Patricia very well. Uh-huh. If she if she doesn't want to do something, she'll say. I don't think so. Or she'll say, "What? Let's speak." Or she'll <laughs> say, "May I have speaks with you?" Yeah. Or, <laughs> or, or Walden. Or you yeah. know, one of those mm-hmm. pet phrases that you have created over the years that I know. Walden. Yes. 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 So, mm-hmm. um, so I know now. See, I don't know if you're gonna. Maybe I'll have you do six days next week. We'll see. You know, I'm waiting to find out. The schedule, everybody's schedule. So uh-huh. I'm trying to figure this out. Okay. Well, you figured me in. I know. I know. Okay, you're you're my reliable one. <laughs> <laughs> the one who sleeps through shows. <laughs> okay. Oh You my have good. Gu- you have good intentions. I do. Yes. I do. I'm reliable on my intentions you're, anyway. And then we're looking forward. We're going to pre-record uh, Barry Farber on the 18th, that Friday. Yeah. And we're looking forward to that. And so if you have any questions, I'm sorry it won't be live, but if you have any questions, uh, you can drop them to Patricia. She might be able to squeeze them in, just depending on the flow of the conversation. No guarantee about that. But um, we'll, So we'll pre-record Barry Farber on the uh, 18th. Uh, looking ahead on just other opportunity. Friday night, Peggy Webber will be with me on uh, January 25. Uh, 
February the 8th, Million Ross, last year Patricia, got a chance to interview her. And, uh, and then uh, Joan Benny will be with us Sunday, January, uh, February 17th. So those are some of the schedule. And here are nights for Patricia to be off. <laughs> <laughs> You're throwing me little crumbs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I get two nights off and 52 nights on. Yeah. So, uh, oh, okay. so for the month of March, we're going to have a Spur, Spurvac annual meeting at the, used to be known as the Long Beach Veterans Hospital. Uh, Saturday, March the 9th. So there will be no live show uh, Friday night, March the 8th, or Saturday night, March the 9th. And so Patricia will have that Saturday night off the 9th. And then I will be in Seattle at the Old Time Radio Convention at Reps. And we'll leave Thursday morning on the 20... 28th. And uh, yeah, I had to figure this out. So I'm looking at everybody's train schedules and everything, so so many dates are in my head. So the convention is the 29th, 30th, and 31st, so we'll be broadcasting live. So Patricia will have the 30th off, and then we'll be broadcasting live to Spurvac. Hopefully, they we'll be at the Spurvac convention November 7th, 8th, 9th, and 10th. So Patricia will have the 9th off. So those are some of her nights off this week, this year. Are two. <laughs> Three so far. Three? Oh, Three that's so good. Far. And then maybe in the fall, another one. Maybe huh? so. We're working on doing an event in New York. Really? Yeah. Where? The Right there in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. The, the, the famous Lambs Club, the, actors, the oldest theatrical society in, in North America. Mm-hmm. Been around since 1874. Um, wow. One of John Wilkes Booth's brother was a member of it. And they want us to go back to New York and put on some old time radio. So we're in negotiation to see if we can pull that off. Very excellent. Yeah. So. New York, I, huh? I, yeah, New York. Wow. You know? Wow. Check out Times Square while you're there. It'll uh, be safer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You can have people tell you what the ball looks like at the top of the building. That's it stays true. there all year. <laughs> so those are some of our activities at the moment. And uh, so, so there. So there. So for you, adorable one, what do you yes. have it as announcements? Tuesday at midnight. Uh-huh. Every single one of them. Every single one. Walden. <laughs> if you decide to take a night off, that's okay, too. All right. <laughs> you are so funny. Well, I've got some old wives' tales tonight. I've got some history. I've got a first lady quote. I've got some general questions for you, and I don't have a heck of a lot. It's not going to take a lot of time to go through there. So I'm going to ask you a question. When, when I finish talking, which will be in about 12 seconds... <laughs> I want you to tell me what made Fibber McGee and Molly and Halls of Ivy good comedy material when the Smiths of Hollywood bombed. Oh, that's a great question. I would like your take on that. Okay. Before we do that, Dennis, one of our listeners out there, sent a recipe for candied fruit. Ah. Guess what I will never be making. Candied fruit? Candied fruit, because you use the skins of the citrus fruit, 
and whole cherries and stuff like that there. Okay. And I didn't realize it, but you have to blanch, meaning put the skins in boiling water quickly and then take them out. And you have to do it a certain number of times. Um, Sounds you got to wear gloves. No. So you have to start the water boiling again, let the thing cool down, then blanch it again. Then empty the pot, let the skins cool down. At grapefruit, you have to do it eight times. Wow. Orange, you only have to do it three or four times. I don't know how how long cherries take. But anyway, Dennis, thank you so much. It really does sound like a wonderful recipe. It's just more time than I would be willing to put into play here. I think I would I would go ahead and I would buy some candied stuff and put it in my fruitcake. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, maybe I wouldn't. I wouldn't cheat. And I, I don't like cheating on stuff like that. So. Okay, so traditionally, yeah. when you were cooking at home or you know, when you were just, when you were Mrs. Whirlwind of... Of, of the last century. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Working full-time, cooking full-time, taking care of the house full-time, writing full-time. How did you get it all in one lifetime? I have no idea. But anyway. How did, how did I do that? I, don't <laughs> I didn't do them all at once. <laughs> it sounds good. It does. Wow, it sounds wonderful. So did you like to cook from scratch when you oh, were yes. in the cooking? Oh, goodness, yes. Uh, yeah, made my own pie crusts and stuff like that there. Wow. Yeah. You can't cheat on stuff like that. You just can't. So did you like to cook? Yeah, I liked it. Yeah. Um, I tried new stuff and uh-huh. different ways of <laughs> dumping food <laughs> in pots and hope that it all comes out right. <laughs> yeah, I did like to cook. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. I made dynamite Thanksgiving dinners. After after working the whole weekend, practically. Uh, after work, I did that one one time. I had to. I wound up having to work Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And I had invited relatives and all their kids for Thanksgiving. <laughs> I had two turkeys, and I thought, well, I can do this. This, this is no problem because they're coming about six or seven o'clock. Six because we would have a uh, you know, regular meal time mm-hmm. and turkey rather than early, early in the day that so many other people do. So I had two turkeys in the oven when I left, and they were cooking slowly. Mm-hmm. And the day before, I had cooked my turnips and mashed them, and they were in the refrigerator just to be heated up. Okay. And a couple of other things. You know, I, I, was, I was pretty okay on that. And I had stuffed the turkeys, of course. And while I was at work, it started with a snowstorm. Uh-oh. I mean, a big one. <laughs> <laughs> so it took me at least an hour to get home from work, mm. and everything was going well, and I had the tables set. And I had cafeteria tables. I have really long living room, mm-hmm. so I put cafeteria tables there and so all the kids could sit at the table. And I thought, you know, the first person who doesn't show up, <laughs> It's going to wind up with dead turkey in the mail. I mean, <laughs> what am I going to do with two turkeys? But everybody came, and we had a wonderful time. It was a little iffy driving and that stuff, but we had a great time. Mm. That was a great. So I did. I worked that day and got home about, oh, maybe 5 o'clock. 
and had dinner on the table before 7. You know, it's interesting. Every family is probably different about mm-hmm. when you have a whole lot of people. You know, my my family traditionally always had the, the, the little kids sit with the big people together. You know, that's pretty much you try at the same table. Or mm-hmm. Some families, I noticed when I've attended, they have all the adults at one table and all the little kids on their own in the yes. at their own table. And I, I think that's cruel. Yeah, I just I should. I don't want to sit with m- my family. <laughs> I don't want to sit with the kids. <laughs> oh gosh. Uh. Yeah, I also always had more intelligent conversation. <laughs> uh. Did you see my train? No. <laughs> No. Do you want to see my toy? No. <laughs> I want to know what's going on in the world today. <laughs> Not quite. But, but anyhow. So. so, did you have a good kickoff to your new year? I did. I spent it with you, so that was good. Well, thank you. Yeah, so it was really good. Um, and just... Just getting stuff done during the day and just sort of relaxing, just getting mm-hmm. things ready and basically booking a lot of guests for the radio show. That's been um, been working with PR people and trying to get get us loaded up for the year. So, so that was good. Yeah, very excellent. I did nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Well, considering you've been with me almost every night, you've been all your stuff. Yeah, you've been, I did something, didn't I? Yeah, you've been doing prep work for the shows, basically. Yes, I have been. I have been. You know? Oh well. So I've got some stuff. Would you like some history or old wives' tales to start off with? Give me G.I. Joe. Yeah, give me some old wives' tales first. Oh, old. Oh my goodness, I have lots of them. Me, <laughs> sir. <laughs> Very wonderful. Let me see how many pages. Uh, only three pages. Okay, cat's whiskers. Cat's whiskers are good luck, and they should save to never, ever throw them out or vacuum them up. Ever, ever, ever. Because hmm. that's bad luck. Okay. So I just thought I'd mention that. Okay. <laughs> oh, and the penny. My grandmother was this way. If there was a penny on the ground and it was tail sides up, it would be bad luck if you picked it up. Heads up is good luck. So she would walk past pennies on the ground. <sighs> not, my they, not my dad. He, every, not my dad. Not me either. Any penny he saw, he went and picked it up. I still do. I still do. People yeah. don't bother to bend over and pick up pennies. It's good exercise for me. <laughs> so, so I pick up my my pennies, all the pennies. I'm very good at finding pennies around here, over in the hospital, too. Mm-hmm. Are they, are, are, you do find pennies around the building? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Maybe they can't bend over and pick up what they fell out of their pocket. Well, it's, I, it's sort of like we've been to places, especially like school grounds. Mm-hmm. And let's face it, it seemed like, especially when I was going, it seemed like the younger generation just... Didn't know what to do with their change, so they just threw it on the ground. They didn't, you know, after they made their transaction. Mm-hmm. There was lots of money on the floor. Mm. Well, I'm right there. Mm-hmm. Oh, my, my big deal was a dollar bill in the parking lot and 37 cents at Walmart on the sidewalk. Uh, yeah, so I'm a dollar 37 up. 
how 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 much is a plane ticket? <laughs> <laughs> that should do it. With all the frequent flyer miles you got, you can you can make it out here. <laughs> my frequent flyer miles. <laughs> the only time I've flown since I was an adult, I think I can count on three fingers. Oh my goodness. Well, you know, some people use their credit card to get build up frequent flyer mileage. You know, I. Well, that's true. I've I thought about that. I've never done that per se. So. No. No. Okay. Do you have any gray hair yet? Yeah. I mean, it's shocking that my family keeps looking and they find <laughs> little strands. <laughs> they keep. I. Part I, in your head. They, oh yeah. Kind of I mean, around up there. Yeah, they do. They start oh, looking geez. on the side. I mean, I'm. You know, they they. Because you know, my traditionally my my dad mom did not have gray hair. My dad has little light. You know, he's 88, mm-hmm. he'll be, and so, and I've always had this very dark hair, um... Yours is almost black, yeah. yeah. and it's, and it's, ha- and it grows. I really should cut it every six, every three weeks, and it gets cut every six weeks, and, uh, um, it has a mind of its own, <laughs> because for years, my mom wanted a, wanted a part in my hair, and she couldn't do it. Oh, forget it. And so, we even we even had people give us gave me perms, and it still wouldn't take. Permanence? Yes. You poor kid. How yeah. were, how old were you when they assaulted you? Twelve, thirteen, fourteen. Oh heavens! And they couldn't get it. To, they couldn't get it to stay. And my current barber, who I've been with like for thirty five years or something, thirty eight years. Why did years, they do that? I'm I'm stuck on the permanence. I'm sorry. <laughs> Why did they do that? Well, because they thought it would look nice for me to have a a, 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 a part in my hair. Because my hair grows forward. There's no yeah. part. Well, that's okay. And and so they tried. They tried to get me a part, but my hair wouldn't, had no part well, of that. Now, you know, this is... <laughs> <laughs> the analogies I come up with are not very good, but... It would be to satisfy your mom who wanted a part in your hair. You didn't care. I didn't care. <laughs> I didn't care. My dad walked me over to pay. So uh, they, they decided to eventually get me a buzz cut here. So lately, the last several years, I, my hair has been cut really, really, really short just to give us a little style. But Yeah. But um, but anyway, so my... my um, my barber, who I've been with like for 35, 38 years, she says, I have Indian hair. It grows one way, and it grows forward. And six. I've never heard that yeah, before. Yeah, and I think in your head, I've read somewhere, everybody, the average person has 30,000 strands of hair. And 100,000. Is it? Anyway, yeah. I... My, when my hair grows, it grows really thick. Um, and so, and it'll, it'll be look good and good until the last week, then it'll just start <laughs> growing like mad. <laughs> you look like an out-of-control bush in uh-huh. the yard. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gee. Yeah, and then that's when we go to the bar, and we take the, get out the old buzz saw. Zoom, zoom, zoom. Yeah. And I got enough hair on the floor that would, uh, you know. Um, Make a pillow. Yeah. And my, I wish you, my, um, my barber looked at, 
she was thinking about cancer patients. And you have to reach, the strand of hair has to be, I think, six inches long mm-hmm. for them to use it for cancer. And then she, she knew that hair is really good about taking care of oil. It attracts, it soaps up oil. Mm-hmm. And so she was trying to figure out how, when we had somebody's oil spill, how could we get the hair out there? Could they could soak up soak up all the oil out in the ocean? It takes a lot of head of hair. I know, I know. But I could easily have donated for at least a couple. <laughs> you could have cleared out a mile at yeah. least. <laughs> <laughs> Walton claimed a square mile. So anyway, so the family gets interested in looking at my hair, and they found, especially at dinner time. Oh, my brother, she sits across from me. My brother sits across from me. Mom to the right. your head. Yeah. Mom, <laughs> mom's on the right. Dad's on the left. And if somebody spots the gray hair, all three members of the family circles around me. And Dad will take my head and move it to the side. And they look at it like, oh, one got one strand of gray hair. You know. Wow. Like, they speak when, when they- when they circle, just make sure they don't have a steak with it. <laughs> so it's big, it's big, Tie it to the steak. It, oh, geez. It's big news when they can find a, a gray hair in my head. Well, that was a long way of getting to my wife's tail. <laughs> 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 if we do this for everyone, we'll use up all the time. That's, That's right. That's right. Um, the old wives' tale says pulling out one gray hair will cause ten more to grow in. I remember reading this in my school book. You know, if you never cut the hair, how long it would grow? I don't know. 27 feet. I believe it. Now, my brother doesn't like his hair cut, so it's a big deal. I uh, I don't know how he sleeps with that big old hair. hair you know, it'll get down to the middle of his back kind of thing. So I'm, I'm the one who writes it short. And he'll have it long, so, I don't know, when you're sleeping, you got to tuck it somewhere. <laughs> if you're asleep, I'm not sure you even care. Well, see, I think it would bother me, because it would be on my neck and stuff like that there. Maybe I'm wrong. Well, you will never know if you keep cutting your hair. That's true. Hmm. You have a theory on long hair? No. You have a th- what, what kind of theory? You mean, like, healthy or not healthy no. type thing? No, no. Would it, would, if you wore long hair, mm-hmm. would it keep you awake at night? No. I wore long hair for a lot of years. So it never bothered you? No, not at all. Well, maybe because you have really soft, was your hair really soft? Yeah. See, if, if I think that makes a difference. If it's really like the brittle hair, I, would, yeah. I think it would bother my neck, you know, having it point, point on me. That's... Just my thought. I don't think so. I don't think so. But, but um, I can claim to be right, and you'll never be able to tell me I'm wrong. No, that's true. I mean, I'm okay, just. Okay, I'm, I'm right. You're, 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 you're an expert on this theory. I'm just asking. <laughs> I'm manipulating. I'm right. I'm right. I'm right. Oh yes. Oh yes. Listen, if anybody out there wants to join this inane conversation, we would love to hear from you. Seven one four five four five two zero seven one. At seven one four five four five two zero seven one. I just we opened the phone. Yeah, good. Oh, you did. Oh, yep. good. Yep. Oh, good. Well, we're having a bang up time here. <laughs> okay, the doorway. The mm-hmm. doorway. My grandmother did. My other grandmother. My, I had 
two grandmothers that went with the uh-huh. grouchy one wouldn't pick up a penny. Uh-huh. <laughs> but the fun one, whoa, whoa. Okay. Whoa. Just making adjustment. How's that, Patricia? Well, it's it, it's who's on the phone? I don't know yet. I haven't I haven't opened up the phone yet. Hello there. Yes, hello there. You're on air. Oh, you say that now. I've been saying hello for ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> hello, Dave. Peekaboo. Happy, Peek-a-boo. New Year. Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year. Thank you. How are you? I'm very well. You know, uh, listening to you guys, uh, you, you got me started on a whole bunch of thought processes. Oh, that's good. Uh, oh, good. Okay, yeah, yeah, go yeah. for it. Well, here's a, here's a question I have. Have you ever considered this? Uh, <laughs> You don't, in most cases, you don't have to cut any hair on your body other than your head. Yeah, true. That's true. Your okay. Chest hair doesn't, guys, chest hair don't yeah. grow beyond a certain point, mm-hmm. other areas, etc. And it's just interesting to me, you know, I mean, women shave their legs and guys, you know, shave their faces, but I mean, and even if they grow, it Literally, the voice of 
these particular actors that I mentioned, you can't do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, I mean, that, that's, that's what I think the, the, um, the interest is to me. You just get a certain feel and, and thought from them. Yeah. It's just great. I, I think because we do the Bickerson a lot and radio recreation, what I noticed is the uh, the edge that Francis Lanford and Don Meeke had. Not everybody plays it on that that biting edge like they mm-hmm. like they do. And they were quick. There yes. were no pauses in between. No, nothing. The they timing were, was yeah. The timing. Was the timing. Yeah. Right on top. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. That may be. I, I don't think I've heard anybody try to do that. But I just can't imagine doing. That was, that was my huh? thought. When, when you were talking about that, that was the first thought that came to my mind. Yeah. That there are some. Like, uh, what is that uh, show? You'll, you'll know, Walden. Mm-hmm. Um, is it Life with Luigi? Is that the one I'm yeah. thinking of? Yeah, J. Carroll Nash. And, and who does that? J. Carroll uh, Nash. Yeah, and he's he's about as Italian as I am. <laughs> true, and, it's and, true. And, and, and it, I mean, you can, you can fake that, you can act that. It's not the same as the genuine thing. That, that's what I thought anyway. What well, I know? you know, uh, it's one. It's interesting. Uh, a big difference, I think, with old time radio, and what we see today is new theater. It, you know, the different um, attempts. Mm-hmm. And during the old time radio days, you have very distinctive voices of each character. So you could tell when you listen to the great girls where you. You could tell one was Judge Hooker, uh, Mr. PV, Throckmorton P. Gildersleeve. Today, when you have um, drama, especially people who are trying to do it today, they don't take that into consideration to have those voices be unique and distinct. Correct. You are absolutely right. They rely on the sight instead of the ears. Mm-hmm. Okay. I want to hop back to the Bickersons for a minute. You You raised a point about not... Not believing that anyone but Don Amici could play John Bickerson, for example. Well, someone did. Who was who was the second one? Lou Lou Parker. Parker, Lou Parker took over for Don Amici, and you are absolutely correct. The quality just took a nosedive. Well, here's another one. Um, in 1948, Marcia Hunt, who's now like 101, she took over for Francis Lanford in the Bickerson, and. Uh, the show did not did not have that abiding edge that Francis mm-hmm. brought to the table. That's what they know is that the chemistry that we talk about now with characters. They, they had chemistry. Mm-hmm. Certainly, Fiddler McGee and I, God, they lived with each other. They knew each other. Yes, they had a feeling for each other. And you know what I loved about that show was how they would sort of break the fourth wall by Molly breaking up an ad lib. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean. She was supposed to be in a character. I, I can't get over this. She was supposed to be in a character. They were all supposed to be in, and yet they, they'd make references outside. They'd step outside, mm-hmm. and she would just be hysterical. True. I know. She oh. had a laugh that would that just rocked your socks. And it made, and it, made it much more endearing. Yes. 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 And Fibber, of course, when he tripped on a line, he just made the best of it, and, and everybody howled. Um, yeah. It, I, don't, I don't know what he was. He was waiting for a piano tuner one time, and there's some flip or flub that he did in that show that has put me away. Every every time I hear it, I just lose it. 
What always get me about Jim Jordan, which I think he's underrated to do, is the different tongue twisters that uh, Don Quinn would oh, throw at him. Gracious, yes. And he would get them, he would do them. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't know too many other comedians that have ever done that in the last 80 well, to 100 that, years. I was thinking about that. I bet that was something that came up during a writing session. It must have. He used to be able to do that, and then they wrote it into the show. Correct. That's what I think. I think that he, he said, you know, I used to be able to do blah, 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 and then he'd do one. And they'd mm-hmm. say, oh, wait a minute, we can write these in and challenge them, you know. Yeah. And that, that would probably tip back to his vaudevillian days. That sounds like something that would play on stage in vaudeville. Yeah, but yeah, it's interesting, the, 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 the Jordans in vaudeville were singers. They weren't... Yeah, they, were, yeah, they, they were, were not comedians. No. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, they, and, and the other thing, I, the early, early uh, Fibogi and Molly, I don't like... No. At all, because Molly put on this terrible oh. Irish accent. Yeah. Um, I mean, legitimate, but it, but it, but it was lousy. And, 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 and Jim, but she became herself. Yeah. Even Fibber, he did the same thing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but hers was really thick, and I didn't care for that at all. Um, later on, when, when right about forty, between forty-three and forty-eight, or forty-five, forty-nine, right in there was a sweet spot to me. It's true because they became number one in '41, and they were number one seven different times. So from about '41 on, um, they they were hard to beat. Um, Well, the writing was good, the cast was good, but 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 how they developed their character—it's so interesting to me because having done a character and, and done it over several years, my misgivings is different from the one I started with. So when you started with he that character, when you started with that character, was he more bombastic? Was he louder? Or was he? He was more. Uh, he was more um, disciplinarian. You know, he was more. If you weren't a Catholic, I don't want to bother with you, kind of guy. And then uh, I softened him as things went on, and the ad libs, and the seeing the audience react, I was able to do something with it. And it really, it really. It, now he's. He's, he's still is acerbic, but he's funny acerbic. And then there's points where he lightens up, and then at the end, you know, there's a punchline, which it works. So, so that's done I, a lot. I, I think you hit it on the head when you talked about character development. Fibber McGee and Molly, um, the pair in the Halls of Ivy, and so many of the other comedies, there was a great depth and roundness. They were full characters. You knew what they thought, you knew what they ate, you knew who their friends were, so on down the line. That did not happen in the um, the Smiths of Hollywood. They were two-dimensional and upfront. They had lines to say, and they were identified by voice and age and what they did, but that was about it. I think there's only really, of the old-time radio shows, there's only one to me that connected right off the block. Um, a lot of them needed time to develop. Of all the old-time radio shows that we love, I think there's only one that had it connected um, from the beginning, and that's Phil Harris, Alice Faye. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they knew what Frankie Remley was like. They knew what Phil Harris was like. Yeah. And maybe because that show started after the war. And let's face it, the war was such a cutting-edge time for comedy 
uh, it will we we shook our Vaudevillian roots and moved yeah. into situation comedy, yeah. and so the biggest they had a big advantage probably because yeah, the and other that, I think I think you mentioned one other advantage was that the audience knew who Phil Harris was. Yeah, they knew his style, they knew his humor, they knew. Um, he, he yeah, they, they were they were themselves in a real yeah, sense. Yeah, they were really, yeah. They were, they, these people were playing characters, but you were endeared to the persons themselves. Mm-hmm. Which but, is which is a difference, I think. But so it's what you were just saying about the two-dimensional characters. Mm-hmm. These people liked they liked Jim Jordan, you know, and they liked Molly, and they liked yeah. and, and 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 then on top of that, the writing was good. They mm-hmm. liked them. Well, I think I, I think it's one interesting case. It's the Great Gildersleeve. The people knew what Great Gildersleeve sounded on the Fibber McGee and Molly show. It almost once he spun off on his own show, he had to change it. It and I don't think the show got good until about the third season. I mean, that's when it's, I think they how Perry finally decided to play it a little more with human roots and by. Forty-seven, forty-eight. It was rather, rather than being a character, he had more uh, human quality to the, to the role. Um, now, who took over for him, Hal Perry? Who took over? Wilder Walterman took over now for he, him. Now, I, I heard the story that he wouldn't he wouldn't do the laugh. Correct. He thought that because was because he didn't want to he, intrude. Yeah, he thought that was how trademark, and because how did that in Chicago when he was a radio actor and film game Maui. So he never did the laugh. See, that goes back to my point about the, the voice itself. The, the voice sells it. You know, and uh, I don't know how he did after the... How did he do when he took over? Are you good? Uh, I mean, World War he did great because he lasted another eight more years. Yeah, so, I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with the sound of the voice. You, must, yeah. you know, you hear somebody's voice... Um, like, like, I don't know what Patricia looks like. Mm-hmm. But I have an image in my mind of what she looks like. Mm-hmm. People listen to people on the radio and they mm-hmm. have an image. And then when they meet them mm-hmm. and see them, they're always disappointed. It's, it's all, I, I know I did that with Fibber McGee and Molly. When I saw the first picture of Jim Jordan and Marion Jordan, I thought, who are these people? <laughs> they are not Fibber McGee and Molly. I was crushed. I have this picture of Fibber as a skinny little guy whose arms go all over the place when he's when he's excited. And Molly I pictured as short with a thick neck and an Irish face. And yeah, it, yeah. It, just, it was just so different. Well, I I, I've like, heard people uh, say to me, oh, my God, I can't. I thought you had horn-rimmed glasses. <laughs> uh, I, thought, I mean, I've had them say so many weird things to me that they thought that I looked like. So um, and, and it cracked me up. Yeah. It cracked me up. Yeah. So and you never had. And then the, when I, I worked, the other, the other thing was, there was one guy, though, I'll tell you this story fast, but this is one guy. He worked on a Music of Your Life station. And it, was, it was a, you know, all. It was a, he, all he did was, you know, he did the break. Yeah. And he did simple things. Right. And he had a terrific voice. And his voice sounded like. In my estimation, like an Adonis, like a blonde-haired, blue-eyed, you know, yeah. gorgeous-looking, you know, and he had this beautiful, maleficent voice, <clears throat> and he had an ear name, 
And then one day I said, you know, I know who this guy is. Now, I worked in broadcasting for years, and I had known everybody in my area. And then I realized who this guy was. And then I saw him at a remote. And the guy was about five foot two. <laughs> he was Portuguese, a bit dark, black curly hair, glasses. And he didn't look anything like the image I had. And I knew who he was. I mean, I knew him. I had worked with him and didn't realize it was him at first. Yeah. And every time after that, every time I heard his voice on the air, I still still got that in my head. But he didn't look anything like what I thought he looked like. Which one did you have in your head? The the image that he crushed on you? No, no, when, no. When no, you heard him, when you heard him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the Adonis. Every time I listen to him, I, I still get that image in my head. No even after you, even after you saw him. Yeah, it was just really. I mean, I, I correct myself and go, oh, okay. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I, I knew him. Yeah. I don't know. That's Ray. What am I doing? That's Ray. Yeah. You know. It and, took but me it was just months really funny. to. It took me months to accommodate for Mabrihi and Molly. I mean, it just. It just wrecked my mental image, my theater of the mind. <laughs> but it takes away, if you're in the business and you know people, it takes away that fun because you know who these people look like now. Mm-hmm. And so and so you don't get to have that imaginary yeah. thought about these people. Um, oh, by the way, I just want to say this one thing. I didn't get a chance to call you guys and say Merry Christmas because you were all full up. <laughs> True. Uh, um, I want to know how with the... Oh, oh, we did great. Um, Christmas is for kids. This year we had um, 820, uh, no, 830 kids to get for it. Wow, excellent. And we were able to do that. Uh, We actually, it was supposed to be at 8.15, and then after the program closed, there was a house fire and two families were out, so we went to 8.30. Wow. So we were able to take care of those kids too. Sure. Did you but have a couple really extra toys? Cool, did I you? Wanted to t- did you? I wanted to tell you this mm-hmm. because I, I was sitting Christmas Eve. I was sitting at the computer doing some work, on, and something crossed my mind. And I I just took a number of seven hundred kids. We we do between eight hundred and eleven hundred kids a year. So just for the fun of it, I took seven hundred kids. We've been doing it for. 35 years, so on the average of 700 kids, we did 24,500 children for Christmas. Wow. So, do, do each kid get how many toys normally? One or well, two? Well, they get, they get something that they really want. Okay. We ask them what they want, and they get to ask for whatever it is. Some of these kids ask for things for their little brother or sister, not even for themselves. Uh, I mean, we would get, get them what they want, and then we fill in the bags with stuff on top of that. But we we, we get we know the sizes, we know the color they want, we know the, the brand name they want. Mm-hmm. We go and get something just like any other kid who's from a home that can afford yeah. a couple you, of things. You know what that means? If, this, if every gift for $10, the, the people in your community have donated at least a minimum of a quarter of a million dollars to the project day. That, oh, yeah. That's it, just it, a it's wonderful. Way above, it's way above that. Yeah. We, we we have put see we put in clothes we put in um, winter clothes or we put in uh, gloves or we put in you know, that kind of stuff and then we have additional small gifts to help as a matter of fact we are very cognizant of what every who every child is uh, we had one the other day um, Alden you'll appreciate this yeah. uh, they were going around and they were trying to fill a bag for a, for a, a 
five-year-old kid, and somebody went and got a coloring book and some crayons, and the person doing the bag said, no, no, you can't. This, this child is blind. Mm. And so we knew enough to be able to get something that the child could use, would want, would be able, you know, we'd be able to use. And so we were cognizant of uh, children who have other handicaps as well. But the, we just took a number and we said, okay, we're going to make it $150 for each child. Wow. So, we, so the bag that the, the parent gets for that child is, is approximately $150. Wow. Now you multiply that now yep. times the 24000 Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow, wow. Yeah, 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 almost $3 million or something, yeah. Dave. You think about yeah. it. Yeah, it's amazing. It's, it's cool. Please with it, but I call me. Huh? Yeah. I, my question is, when you say you know what the kids want, so you've got a good bead on how to put together their packages. What do you do with a kid who comes in and says something like, "I really want a pony"? Well, we <laughs> have our limits, like anything else. One of the things we used to do, and, and, and we say to them, I mean, if, if what would you say to your child that they wanted a pony? <laughs> My father said, if you don't smoke or drink, by the time you're 21, I'll get you one. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, but we thought, yeah, we, oh, no, it's really funny. You know, for years we did bicycles. So almost every child would get a bicycle. Wow. And it got so huge. We had men coming in after work at night, volunteering, putting bicycles together. Mm. We had a whole... Uh, downstairs of a, of a Masonic temple set up as a bike construction area. Oh and all these guys would come in and they'd go down and they'd put bikes together all night. And we'd give out like 180 bikes in a, uh, a year. And we finally had to stop doing it because we just couldn't accommodate it anymore. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so I mean, there are things we get to say, like to any child, well, we can't do that this year, but how about something else? You know, but mainly these kids, most of these kids don't. You'd be amazed at how little they ask for, how, 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 how little they, they want. They just want a couple of minor things that yeah. almost anybody can be able to grab. You, you, do, yeah. you, do you think, though, and you might be better touched than I or Patricia did, that you, you keep reading the thing, surveys about the millennial generation. And they're interested in experiences. So maybe they don't want an object. They want to, like you say, as Patricia says, they want a horse. Maybe they want to go out and ride on a horse a few times. I don't know. Oh, we do. Yeah, yeah. We do all kinds of things. We do. We've uh, we've given kids uh, guitar lessons. And we've mm -hmm. given them free rentals, you know, for for an instrument to try to learn, and then paid for the lessons. Mm -hmm. uh, we've done some kids to uh, drama camp. You know, under Nikki's mm. Foundation, we pay for them to uh, to go to drama camp. We, have a, we do all that we can. You'd be amazed at what we're able to pull off. Uh, you know, and we try to accommodate, mainly so they'll know. And when they get older, they'll realize that somebody cared enough about them uh, to give them a good Christmas. And then yeah. so we have a lot of people in our program now, volunteers, who they themselves were... Uh, recipients of this program when they were kids. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. So if it's somebody, they're adult volunteers. If somebody wants to go to drama camp, per se, do you personally, does somebody on your staff personally talk to a drama school, get to see how you can work it out? How do you make well, what, that? What connect? happens is they'll, they'll say to us, that they'll know of it. You know, in, in this case, I'm talking about they knew of a, of, a, of a place that was doing this, and they asked us if, if we could figure a way to, to pay for that. And so we did it that way. We, yeah, we, we can, mm-hmm. you know, we have all kinds of people. We have eight social service agencies that are involved with us now uh, and in six communities. And so we have a lot of contacts. So we can get a lot of things out. And then I call them up and see if I can get them to donate it to us. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, uh, and I tell them I'll make them famous on the radio. <laughs> So have you ever you know, have you ever run into Mr. Scrooge out there, Dave? In the thirty-four <laughs> years, thirty-five years you've been doing it, have you ever come across the Mr. Scrooge? Uh, well, once in a while we'll run into somebody who, you know, doesn't quite see it our way, and, and that's <laughs> fine. And, and, and I make them famous, and they change their mind. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit like of the time that I said, yeah, like the time that I said, you know, I get a feeling that if I call this person. They're going to tell me they can't do it. <laughs> so I'll give you the number, and you can call them, and you can ask them and let them tell you they can't do it. <laughs> and when their phone rings off the hook, <laughs> all of a sudden they get they get Christmas in their heart. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, mean, I don't have to do that, though, very often, because you'd be amazed. I mean, you can see how everybody has made this thing happen. It's wonderful. That's wonderful. And the thrill of it to me is not just that the kids getting Christmas, but think of the thousands of people who have gone out of their way to donate to this program so that a child they will never know has Christmas. It's a community effort. It's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. It just really lifts you up, you know, just lifts mm-hmm. you right up. So I was really cool about that. I'm very happy. And I just wanted to call and say hi to you guys. And um, I didn't forget about you, uh, and lady, Patricia, because uh, we got to get together on the air some morning. Yeah. Cool. You have and to ask permission of Walden this time, Trophy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I understand. I, I, and, uh, I know, okay, uh, okay, I better do this properly. Hold on, yes. Dave. Mm-hmm. Patricia, would, yes, you consi- would you consider going on Dave's show? I would love to. Okay. On a Tuesday night would be perfect. <laughs> Walton just <laughs> informed me that I am now scheduled for every Tuesday night at midnight. Well, there you go. I'll just listen to you. I'll just broadcast yours. That's all. <laughs> I'll just bring it up on the computer and broadcast your show. That'll yeah. be uh, fine. Oh, I'll call it to you. Fun, you have a fun show. I'd love to. Thank you. All right, we'll do something. So are you doing, are you, are you, absolutely. So for for you, Dave, are you still on every Saturday morning from what to what? Is it 7 to 9? every Saturday morning from 9 to noon, whether you like it or not. 9 to noon? Yep, three big hours. Oh, my God. Well, they're the same size as other hours, but, you know. How do our family members get to you? They can, to listen, you mean? They can go to WARAradio.com. W-A-R-A, radio.com, all lowercase. 
and just uh, you'll see Kane and Company. You can pick on there. You can listen to the archives, or you can listen live Eastern Time, nine to noon on Saturday. Okay. Cool. Very great, guys. Excellent. Thank you. Well, thanks so much, and right. Happy New Year, and God you, bless you both. You too, Happy Dave. New Year, Soon. Dave. Thank you for calling. Right. Bye bye. Good night. Okay. Seven one four five four five two zero seven one. And you, too, can get into this conversation. <laughs> so do you think Dave was uh, – are you there? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh good. <laughs> you know, sometimes I start talking and I think, wait a minute, <laughs> am I here? Um, Dave raised some really good points about the the merits of the writing and the acting and the personalities mm-hmm. were Gildersleeve and Fibber McGee and Molly. What went wrong with the Smiths of Hollywood? I don't think it had time. I keep picking on them. It, it was the first one that came to my mind. I don't, I don't think it had time to develop. I think, in, if you think about the golden days of radio, mm-hmm. they let shows develop. I mean, let's face it. What do we think Fibber McGee and Molly's prime year was? The 41? Yeah. 40? I, I started at 40 or 41, yeah. That's five years, yeah. Yeah. Um, look, Gildersweave, I think it's about 44. Uh, I think most people think Gildersweave, Hal Perry got more humor around 47 or 48. Mm-hmm. That's five, six years. I think we underestimate the time factor of letting the characters find their niche. And I do, th- you, do you think their base premise with um, Uncle What's-His-Face, with Uncle... Yeah. I can't remember his I, name. I know, I know, right. Yeah, with um, Arthur Treacher. Yeah, Arthur but Treacher. Did they have enough substance in the premise of the show to develop? They might have, but I don't know if they had the right personalities. In other words, they had Harry Von Sell, who was a great mm-hmm. announcer, a good actor. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Eddie Cantor Foy and Fred Allen Foy. Uh, somewhat, but he, they asked him to be the lead of the show. Or friend Terry Moore, who's going to be, wow, Terry's going to be 90 years old here in a few days. She is played the little g- girl in that show. Bump, yeah. Bump. She's not necessarily known as a comedian. She was a dramatic actress, basically. Uh-huh. Um, so I think, I don't know if they had the right chemistry to to develop, per se. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, for example, should we go after Sacred Cows? Sure. Why not? I do. Why not? <laughs> I, I brave it once in a while. Okay. This yeah. was a great debate we were having on some other form, platform. Fathers know best. Was that a great radio show or not? No. I don't think so. Okay. Why? Because the the situations that they got into were not things that I could identify with. They were things that happened to other people. Whereas with Fibber McGee and Molly, as inane as some of the things that he got into were, how he, how he handled them, and I, I knew Fibber. I knew Fibber. I knew that he could be part of my family. I never got that sense from Father Knows Best. A lot of people think that the character of Robert Young, was he... Or did we see enough warmth in the Robert Young portrayal of the character? I don't character? think we saw enough warmth in the entire program. Correct. 
That's so probably I'm, why the TV show was successful. It was a different cast than mm-hmm. Robert. Yeah, and it connected. Yes. Um, yes. The one, the little girl who played Kathy on the radio. Do you know who that was? Yes, that was Normie Jean Nelson. That Frank Percy used to take her out. <laughs> <laughs> she. So I know she lives up in Canada now. Yes. Um, she she was not a prize child actress. She she was she was whiny, and even when she didn't have whiny roles, she sounded whiny, and didn't have a, a library of inflections that she could use. So that made it difficult. She was the youngest one and should have been the most adorable. And she, she was. It's if you listen, have you you should pull out. The Johnny Car- the Jack Carson show, because she was the, star- the little girl's star neighbor on that show about mm-hmm. three years before. Mm-hmm. They they played it that she didn't have a whiny voice. She was a little more adorable on mm-hmm. that show. So that was a, tra- a, tra- uh, a portrayal yeah. that didn't work. Yeah. And I'm sure the director had something to do with it. The little one on the radio would say, Daddy. Yeah, yeah. Instead of Daddy, I yeah. got something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll bet another one. Oh, okay. we're gonna we're gonna put Patricia on the hot point now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What? 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 Abbott Costello. Did they work on radio? Well, I was never an Abbott and Costello fan. I didn't dislike them, but they certainly weren't anywhere close to the top of my listening list. Um, I actually think in some respects they worked better on radio than they did on television. Interesting. I, I think more people always think of them for the, the movies and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. That's, that's a good thought. That's, a, that's interesting. All right. Baby Snooks. <laughs> okay. What, what about it? Baby Snooks? When, how, how would you analyze that show? Well, the 15-minute shows were perfect. That's all I could take of Fanny <laughs> Price. <laughs> you know? And they were well done. They were well done. And, mm-hmm. um, oh, gosh, I can't remember. Who, who was his father? It was uh, Hanley Stafford. Hanley Stafford, yeah. thank you. Yeah. Um, he had a strange, it, it, it's almost a Frank Lovejoy sound to me. Mm-hmm. But there were some words that he struggled to make sure that they sounded perfectly um that they matched perfectly the grammar teacher's instructions, and they intruded on his overall voice. So it—it just—I just didn't find him as as funny or exciting or interesting. Baby Snooks was good. Fanny Bryce was very good with Baby Snooks. I thought it's interesting to think if you Bye, look at the Daddy. if you look at the history of that show, mm-hmm. and I think you you figured it out. When we heard it in the good news period, the, the one-hour variety show in the 30s, there was short, small increments of Fanny Bryce, 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah. And then when they went on their own, they joined, they um, they only got half of a, a show. Uh, Frank Morgan got one half, Fanny Bryce got another half. So mm-hmm. you're right, it was 15 minutes until the, about the end of the war, and then they decided to give both characters full half-hour show, and yeah. I think you're right. And I, th- I think with Fanny Bryce, that was a mistake. It, it was such, um, I, I don't mean rich in the sense that everybody was, it, it, it was a powerful show. There, were, there was a lot of action. There was a lot of humor. 
and anything more than the 15 minutes was just overkill. Okay. Get hurt, I think it hurt the show terribly. Now, let me, give, let me throw a show at you that I know you adore, <laughs> and you tell me why it works. Why, Daddy? Yeah. <laughs> the Aldrich family. The why, Aldrich family. Why does it work? Oh, my gosh. It's, in that sense, for me, it's the acting. The mm-hmm. characters were so rich. You could see Henry. You could see Homer. Homer with his, you know... Oh, Henry. <laughs> and Alice, the mother, mm-hmm. uh, was a fuss budget. Mm-hmm. So it, it was the, the development of the characters, and I think they started out in day one with that because they had, they must have had excellent writers and a yeah, one director. Yeah, was one writer, Clifford Goldsmith. Who wrote, that's right, that's right, of he, course. He wrote the and Broadway play. Yeah, he based it on his own kids. Yeah. And so, he, he wrote the Broadway play, and uh-huh. and and the, the radio show came off his play. So he yeah. was in yeah. charge of both properties. Yeah, and he he managed to to use hyperbole in just the right places. The, the show we were talking about, I think last week, about the fennel. Yes, uh, yes. They, they were four grouse that his friend sent from Canada, oh, and yeah. they had to have fennel in there, and he searched <laughs> everywhere and wound up with a warehouse <laughs> in order to get Now, I can picture a father yelling about, what do you mean you don't have any fennel, <laughs> and going out to buy some himself. But the hyperbole of it to have him wind up with a warehouse and enough for you know 24 hours or 24-year <laughs> supply when he came home. That kind of hyperbole worked because he developed the characters so well. So, yeah, it was the characters. Or the characterizations. Not necessarily the characters, but the characterizations. I loved Henry and Homer when they were together. Yeah. That was the best. Okay. How do you feel about the later version of the Aldrich family when it's not Edward Stone and Jackie Kelt? Yeah, they... They grew up, and they weren't supposed to have really grown up in the show, and they kind of crashed into each other. I didn't enjoy it as much. Mm-hmm. I didn't enjoy it as much. Homer didn't have as much twang to his voice, <laughs> and Henry didn't. He wasn't as scatterbrained as he as he was earlier. Well, I don't know. They were good. I think they were good. I, I would scri- listen to them in a heartbeat. I think they I were good scripts too. I, I mm-hmm. don't. I don't think the characters were as drawn as like Jackie Kelk and. Um, yeah. And yeah. I just don't play it. Yeah. I, I think the acting wasn't as strong. And see, I think there's a couple of things, going back to the Dave point, I think the writing and radio is such an important chemistry thing. In other mm-hmm. words, I think Don Quinn wrote The Halls of Ivy. Don Quinn wrote, wrote Fermi Molly. Let's face it, Don Quinn of of the great radio writers had to be in the top ten of all time in terms of comedy writing. It was just he was wonderful ab- yes. about it. Yes, and he was not a one song show. No. He could write other ways, other other he didn't have to stick to straight comedy. And no. he he just he was good. He was good. And there you, there you go. There, somebody who was just, as I, I think we talked about a few days ago, mm-hmm. he was a college graduate, but he wrote such a great show. Mm-hmm. You know? Yep. 
sometimes I think education kills people's creativity. Because they they get a, a formula. They get they get rules in college, mm -hmm. and their thinking changes. So I, I think, I, and not everybody falls into that by no. any means, but I, I think for a lot of people, their creativity and thinking outside the box is thwarted, and they get shoved back in the box. What do you think of Henry Morgan, that radio show? Oh, well, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. He was different. Mm -hmm. He was different. He also did some television. Right. Um. I don't know. He pushed the envelope a he lot. Did. But he, he did. But he was funny. He, he was did. funny. Um, he, did. he had an innate ability, and I don't know innate, but he had an ability to conjure humor that everybody could tap into. It was a broad-spectrum humor. But he, he was strange. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to say it. Every time I heard him, I thought, is he for real? <laughs> what did you think? I, I think... If I could listen to him on a regular basis, I think I would become a bigger fan. I don't know if I've heard enough that yeah. I don't appreciate him enough. It's sort of the way I feel like Vic and Shade. I think I probably have sampled not enough that I don't necessarily connect with the, the show. And I think yeah. I think uh, our friend Ray from Chicago and Louis oh from my Ma he, Yes, he was horrified when I yeah. told him I, and, I didn't like the show. And Louis from Maine. I mean, those, mm -hmm. are, those guys are big Vic and Shade. And maybe I haven't listen to enough of it to to give yeah. it a better appreciation. Yeah. Wow. Well, folks, we're getting lonely here. 714-545-2071. Okay, what other questions? This is fun. Oh, it really is. It really is. Fun. Okay. Now, uh, uh, let's go after another sacred cow. I know we're going to get hate mail for this one, but... <laughs> Wait a minute. No, wait a minute. No, let's not let's not use the word we until we <laughs> get through this. Okay. You well, you I, are I love we. you are, you are not the biggest Jack Benny fan in the world. I am not the biggest Jack Benny fan. What made that show not work for Patricia? That is a great question, and I'm not sure I even have the answer. I think my ears said his comedy was strained sometimes. Uh, he pushed it. And he pushed stuff that wasn't necessarily funny. Like the 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 stories that go around about how he would lose it and laugh so hard that he'd slide down the curtains. Uh -huh. I mean that right. that is just it it it's pure showmanship. But um, what was happening ruined some of the comedy. Uh, uh, really really strange. I need to listen to him more. You do. I'll, I'll with I'll withhold. Don't hurt me, people. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Don't 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 hurt Let's me. Let's talk about two other. About how do you analyze Fred Allen? Ooh. Well, you know what my thoughts are. When he worked with a script, he was less than great. Correct. When he ad libbed and was able to speak extemporaneously in any situation, he was a riot. That man had a sense of humor that was painted from his head to his toes, inside and out. He was wonderful. But on a script, no, no. And you know that you know who that your analysis just fit perfectly. Hmm. Groucho Marx. Huh. I don't think any Groucho scripted shows before You Bet Your Life were all that great. But once he had You Bet Your Life, mm -hmm. he was in his element. That was just 
made for you. Yeah, that's interesting. That's interesting. Hmm. Then how about George Bernard Gracie Allen? What do you think? What do you think? Ha-ha, gotcha. Ah. <laughs> I don't think they connected until until Maxwell House Coffee became their sponsor in 46. That's when I, I think it's about 16 years before they really wow. got going. That, wow. Because okay. if you think about the, the evolution of the show, mm-hmm. they were a vaudevillian act starting radio in 1930. They did not play the married couple until 12 years later, until 1942. In, in the show? In the show. And that's exactly what I was going to point my finger at, yes. And, and then... I don't think it got really sophisticated until 46, when they started having the, the guest stars every week and they, the script writers. Mm-hmm. Well, Paul Henney, who wrote, who the main writer who wrote oh, some of the great comedy shows of the 60s, mm-hmm. that team connected with George Burns. And I think that that's when that whole run from the 46 to Mm-hmm. 49 was terrific, I think, yeah. I, in my opinion. Yeah. I wonder what there was in radio and entertainment that the writers chose not to have them married for so many years in that show. It might have been what George dictated, because George sort of ran the show, and maybe because he and Gracie started out in vaudeville in the yeah. 20s that way. Yeah. Maybe they didn't... Because you think about it, Jack and Mary were never married, even throughout the whole 22 years of radio. Jack? Benny. Oh, Jack Benny. Right. Um, I um, don't know. I, I think they developed the Mary Livingston character pretty well. They did. Well, for example, Fred Allen and Portland Hoffa were never married on radio. That's right. That's right. I thought maybe there was something similar to the stringent rules that we saw with shows like with, I Love Lucy uh-huh. on television where they never were allowed to sleep in the same bed right. or have any contact in the bedroom, which was about as real as <laughs> <laughs> you know. Oh, gosh. I don't know. So I thought maybe there was something about not having married couples perform on radio, which is stupid, but right. you never know with the way censors worked. But what made Phil McGee and Molly work so great, that was a true-to-life married couple, the way mm-hmm. they played that thing. And I agree. Same thing with the Halls of Ivy, for my mm-hmm. sake. That was a... Both, those two shows, to me, show two married couples deeply in love with each other. And I think that yeah. came over the show. That's it. Yes, 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 yes. That's it. That's it. I mean... Even though Fibber drove Molly nuts, you knew you knew she was just gonna live with that, basically. Mm-hmm. Yep, you are right. Yeah, you are right. So, all right, did we run that one through the ringer? I think we did pretty good. I think we did really well. <laughs> would you like some stuff? Sure. What do you got? Would you like Would you like some general questions? I would love it. Okay. In 1903, Crayola crayons were introduced. How many colors were there in the original box? Six. Wrong. Twelve. No. (laughs) There were eight. 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 And how much did a box cost in 1903? A quarter. Nope. Ten cents. 1903, that's pretty far back. Ten cents. Five cents. You could get eight crayons for five cents. Do we know the colors? 
You want me to guess? Oh, probably. you could guess, and I think you'd probably be right. My Go guess ahead. is that how many primary colors we have? Is it only three? Red, yellow, and blue are primary colors. Oh, I think black. Isn't black a primary color? No, no. Black is a non-color, as a matter of fact. Okay, so you're saying red? Is a pure color. Green? Green is not. Green is a combination of yellow and blue. Orange is not. No, that's yellow and red. So, so red and white, right? Red and white are two of the primary colors. No, whether just red, yellow, and blue are the only primary colors. The other two have to do with the light going through the huh. prism. But I always no. thought we had more than, more than like more than just those primary colors. No, no just three. I want I want to challenge that. I want you to look that up. That's a challenge. I will do it right now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this, what you do now, I'll tell an interesting story about David talking about the child being blind. It was interesting, though, when I got first off my site, that's one of the things I did with the color. And maybe it was comforting to me to take a crayon and draw pictures and, then, and feel the, the, the wax on the paper. Mm -hmm. And maybe because I had sight... That was sort of a, a transition thing for me. So, um, but since this is sort of, so for, for my case, and when I lost sight, you know, around nine, 9 or 10, I love to draw. I love to take crayons and draw characters and things in my head. I, I, maybe that was just a way of me expressing my thoughts, I guess, you know. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, okay. Opening sentence. Yes. Red, blue, and yellow are the primary colors. They're primary because every other color is a combination of two at a time of those colors. Like orange is a combination of yellow and red. Purple is blue and red. So they, they form the basis of every other color. So what three colors are you saying again? Red, yellow, and blue. Just like Wonder Bread. Okay, now, and you're saying black is a, a non-color? That, that is essentially a non-color. And white? Okay, here. Um, here is, is white and black are not technically colors, but they can be used to create lighter or darker shades of other colors, but they're not primary. They're not colors. Well, I guess I wasn't jumping on as a kid. What can I say? I, I <laughs> <laughs> Well, you have to love me because I bailed I you do. out on the double word <laughs> in Scrabble. I do. Uh, we oh, talked about God. that off air. Mom and I had a discussion tonight on how you count two, spelling the word two different ways if you put one letter down on a double word. So Patricia banked me, backed me on that one. So yes, I, I did. Yes, yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I did. So do you believe me now? Of course I do. Oh, good. I just never heard that before in my lifetime. Okay, so the eight colors are? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose I should have looked well, now, that up. Now, I? now I think don't you can buy a crayon with a hundred different crayons in it. Oh, gosh, I, I, it's more than a hundred. It's, it's outrageous. So do they? And they've even replaced some. Do, are they all different colors? Or are they, you know, five mm -hmm. red, five green, five yellow? Or? 
No, no, no. They're all different colors. Every one of them has a name. You know, that'd be fun. One night, we just read all the different colors and have you try to describe <laughs> them to me. What do you think? You think people would stick with us? <laughs> we're having enough trouble having people call in tonight. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we'll make that a running thing, considering you're going to be on seven days a week for the next four or five years. We might as well, what? you know, make that <laughs> money. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, let's see. Crayola. Standard crayon set, assorted colors. Let's see. I don't know if that's original though. Okay. Anyway, you got a couple more minutes, everybody, before Patricia. I send Patricia off to bed to get ready for tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I've sh- I've already shot all her stuff. She's gonna have to work twice as hard to get ready for Sunday. Mm-hmm. And then Tuesday, and then I don't know. She might be on. Thursday and Wednesday and Monday. Hey, I, don't know. I don't know yet. I'm waiting to find out. Wait, wait, wait. No, wait. I'm looking at crayons. What are you doing today? <laughs> <laughs> I'm announcing all the different times you're going to be on this week. Huh, how many? I don't know yet. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Tuesday, I, I, I got you locked in for Tuesday. Yes, you do. Got you locked in for Saturday. Yes, you do. I'm trying to sweet talk you to join me on Friday, but we haven't we haven't negotiated that yet. Mm, I might consider it. You can bite. <laughs> mm, I might I'll it. give you the thirteenth off of ne- a week from this Sunday. Okay, Perry will be on. You'll give me what? Yeah, well, I'm giving you Sunday, January thirteenth off. Okay. Say that with more opt with more pep, my dear. Okay. <laughs> I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop here. I haven't told you about the morning show we're starting next, have we? Have Have I told you about our new morning show that we're doing together? No. Okay. I don't know about it yet either, so we'll see. No. I'm, I'm looking at my calendar here. The 18th off is a Friday. Right. I don't work on Fridays. Do well, I? Yeah, you got an interview with Barry Farber that morning. Yeah, I know, but that's 2 o'clock. <laughs> well, I was thinking if you were available on the 11th, you could help me do a couple of interviews. But I'll let you I'll let you sneak away and not do that. That's up to you. That's okay. I can talk about Carol Brady. Okay. All right. And the other one is whom? Allison Ongram from Little House in the Prairie. Oh. She's a fun girl. Oh, the, the, the little brat with yes, the blonde yes, curls. Yes, Wow. She's a fun person. And you're going to have both of them on the same night? Uh-huh. Wow. How long? Oh, wow. Each one and a half hour. Who comes first? Allison. Okay. All right. You think about it. No, that's, I'm a not... that's a, that's an, a 10.30 show for me, right? Yeah. Okay. <sighs> Think about it. You know, it's, okay. it's there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear folks. Oh, dear folks. Oh, somebody needs me. <laughs> I need somebody. Uh, hello there. You're on with Patricia. Well, hi, Patricia. <gasps> hello. Hi, Patricia. Um, hi. How are you? I'm so happy to hear from you. I'm, 
Well, you've been listening, huh? Well, have Happy we, New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, too, Patricia. Thank you, Ron. You called me two days ago, so you, you definitely wished me a Happy New Year. Or was it last night? I can't remember. Yes, it was last night. <laughs> so, hey, Happy New Year to two of you, and, and good night with your arguments and Okay, Ron. Okay, Ron. We love you bunches. Thank Take you care. for calling. Bye bye. Love you too. Goodbye. Bye bye. Bye bye. That makes oh, that's so nice to hear from him. Absolutely. So nice. So well, he he <laughs> he helped me from getting a complex. <laughs> Let's see. Fresh start. Oh dear. We need company history here, right? Of course. I'll, I'll have to, because they're giving me Target and Walmart, and I don't want that. Uh, no. I don't want that. Maybe we'll, we'll the... sing you with S.C. Johnson the Sun. <laughs> <laughs> now, Ray in Chicago suggested I wait two or three months and don't let the guy off the hook that easily. <laughs> I thought, no, that's okay. That's a good idea. Well, I, what do I, you think? I think we should sing, uh, have Dan go on him, you know, have Dan stick Dan on him, you know. No. I don't think that's a good deal. Mm-mm. Okay. No. no. I, I still like your your strategy. We'll wait a little while and we'll contact one of the family members. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But Ray is suggesting not wait in a, a year, mm-hmm. but do it within about three months. Well, maybe by then they will have forgot about us. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> Am I forgettable? No. You're not. I don't think so either. No. I don't think so either. Especially okay. coming out now they have our bios and everything. You know, uh, I know. Good grief. I want a job, you know. I mean, I mean my gosh, I hope they have the I hope they have us on file now. Good heavens. Good heavens. They should have sent us to the personnel department. <laughs> yeah. I mean, gee whiz. We look pretty good on paper, don't we? <laughs> we do. We do. I I think we could have gotten a job signing into a PR form. We might be doing a pretty good job for them. I think so. I think so. I think we would do a wonderful PR job. Well, you know, what, now yeah. would you like to write or or be the spokeswoman for them? I'd rather be the spokesperson. Ah. Is it because that's an easy job? Um. I think right now, yes, right now in my life it would be easier. So would it be more fun? No. Well, yes, it would. I think it would be more fun for you. Isn't it terrible when you have more fun things to choose from than you know what to do with them? And, and my gosh, that's a, and I don't know if that's really a correct way to talk, more fun. I mean, that's that's, that's definitely probably not. Why not? You can't say funner. Oh. (laughs) Something is more fun than the other, yeah. (laughs) If this is funnier than that one, no, it doesn't work. That doesn't work. I no. think You're right. More fun. Yeah. More funner does not work. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear me. Oh, dear me. Okay. We've got time for a Stump Walden question. Okay. Detectives Black and Blue. That show, amazingly, in my opinion, ran from 1932. Let's see. Nin- no. 19- I can't now. I think it was 1923. Three to 19, I can't remember. It was 12 years in any event. 
I've got, I transposed my numbers. I didn't say them out loud, and I've got numbers that don't make any sense here at all. Okay, so they started a detective agency, the Black and Blue Detective Agency. What were they doing for a living before they decided to become detectives? They were the first Patricia and Walden comedy act. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I don't think I've ever heard one complete black and blue show. Um, really? Yeah. Oh, I think I played the original one as an awful show. That's probably true. And we've only got a handful. I don't think there are more than four or five left, and this thing ran for, for 12 years. I think they're new. I bet they were new paper writers. No. They were shipping clerks in a market. Oh, wow. That's where they started. They, they realized that somebody was stealing sugar. The sugar supplies were going down and down, and they cracked the case by staying up late at night and finding out who the guy was who was coming through the back door, and they were on a, on a waterway, and so, I mean, it was, it was fairly involved, but it was stupid. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was as stupid as it sounds, and after that, they decided they were going to be detectives. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, I went over my humor, my humor <laughs> files and came up with something that's a little bit more family-oriented. Oh, good. Good heavens. Okay. You want to save that for tomorrow? Well, we could do that, yeah, because I'm going to, to be desperate, aren't I? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Up to you, my dear. I'm just, I'm just helping you with your, your workload a little bit. I'll have to work very hard to get things going for Tuesdays now. <laughs> Oh, my goodness, and I've got so much on my dead computer. Oh, wow. That's okay. We will find stuff. We'll raise money for Patricia to have a, that computer come back yes. to life. That's yes, what, yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, before we go, because it's it's January 5th, could I tell you what January 5th was? Because okay. when okay. we come back tomorrow, it's okay. going to be January 6th. Of course. What's, on, what's January okay. 5? January 5 is Bird Day, uh. and that would have been the perfect time to play a bird book. Fibber, McGee, and Molly, but we used up all of our time. Well, we can play, we can play a, a Fibber, McGee, and Molly sometime tonight. Okay. In fact, I think I will. That would be the next show I'll play, is a Fibber, okay. McGee, and Molly. To if we spent so much time talking about it, right. that would be appropriate. That's true. Okay. 1643, the first divorce in the colonies. I didn't think they divorced anybody. <laughs> and seriously. That's and it true. was a woman who filed for divorce. She said her husband... I can't remember how it was very nicely put and it turned out the guy was a bum (laughs) (laughs) he had abandoned she had two children by him and he disappeared just left her and they said well where did he go well he married another woman or he didn't marry another woman because he wasn't divorced he lived with another woman and had two children with her so the judges thought that was immoral enough that they could give her a divorce I guess I don't know but six it's amazing. If you look back, it's how many people got abandoned. You know, some yes. a man went ahead and got mm-hmm. his wife sure. and kids. Sure, but we didn't. We did in the 1920s and the 1940s, 50s. We didn't hear about divorce. No. If if a divorce happened, it was quiet. Yes. The woman stayed by herself. The man went and did his own thing. Right. And I mean, it's different today, obviously. Yeah. But 1643 in that in that context mm-hmm. is a little ooh wow. Yeah. Okay, 1825. I like this one. 
23-year-old Alexandre Dumas. He's the one who wrote The Three Musketeers. Okay, yeah. He fought his first duel. He sustained no injury, but his pants fell down. <laughs> <laughs> How embarrassing. It's been, this guy writes The Three Musketeers, and the thing they remember him for is his pants falling oh, wow. down during a duel. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, dear. 1925, this is January 5th, 1929, Nellie Taylor Ross of Wyoming became the first female governor inaugurated in the United States. A female governor in 1929. Wow. Wow. That's pretty wild, huh? 90 years ago. Uh Uh-huh. And in 1916, Britain had entered the war, believing its primary role would be to provide, you know, Mm -hmm. support and stuff like that there. Um, but by war's end, the country had actually enlisted 49% of the men between the ages of 15 and 49. Wow. 1916, they started conscription. They conscripted people for the first time, and they were taking everybody from yeah. between 15 and 49. They had something like, I didn't read, I didn't copy the entire thing, but I believe it was by the time... Um, they entered the war, this surge of patriotism that happens, and it happened here. You know, kids were lying about their age. They needed to get into the Navy or the Army. Mm-hmm. 500,000 signed up at the beginning when they announced that they were in the war. 500,000. And then they started conscripting because the people, the the military high or ups said that they weren't getting quality recruitments. Hmm. Now, this has, this has baffled me. They had 500,000 people to choose from who signed up, and they decided they were going to conscript. They would conscript from the same group of people. Instead of letting them volunteer, they would say, okay, you have to come. Well, what benefit would it be to them? You remember, at least in America, my, my grandmother has shamed with us. Um, people bought their freedom. They didn't have to, they could, they, they paid. Oh, that's them. true. Yeah. And maybe that was the same way in England, and maybe they needed people with certain skills, and they weren't getting to the certain skill levels they needed. Out of 500,000 people, they couldn't find the skill level? Maybe not. That's amazing. That's amazing. We'll have to ask somebody from World War One. Yeah. How do we get information from World War One? <laughs> oh, oh, there's still a few out there. Are you serious? Of course, there'll be over a hundred. I think there's still a few people. Oh, it's, it's uh, the oldest veteran from World War Two died mm. this week. Yep. Yep. Mm-mm. Okay. Well, I'm finished. I gave you all of my January fifth. Thank you for letting <laughs> me do that. Ah, <laughs> uh, you're right. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, it's probably people who were born during World War One are still alive. But yeah, probably all our military people are finally yeah. gone. Yeah. Yeah. They're all gone. Okay, well, this is it. We'll talk to you tomorrow. It's over. It's over, Walden. Not till tomorrow. (laughs) Good night, everybody. (laughs) Thanks for being with us, and good night, Walden. Good night, Patricia. Talk to you tomorrow. Okay. Well, let's see here. Let's see if we can get this to work. Full speech.
Windows M folder C Christmas Music Saw C Carol Under C Christmas 23rd Enter. C Cole F Fibber McGee and Molly Christmas 70 F Fibber McGee and Molly folder. Enter C colon back Fibber McGee and Molly 12-6-491.wa Fibber McGee and Molly 12-6- Fibber McGee and Molly 12-7-48.wav. Space. Space. Speech on demand. What's your prayer for, dear Lord? Thank you for the opportunity being here. Thank you for Patricia. Thank you for our callers, Dave and Ron. Thank you for our listeners, Lord. Help the men and women who serve in this wonderful armed forces. Help our leaders make the right decision. Look after the needy, the poor, and the hungry. We ask this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Here's Fibber McGee and Molly. <laughs> 